Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Toyota Land Cruiser Invincible Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. <laughs> Hello, I'm Andrew. That's not the full title, is it, though, Alan? No, it wasn't, because you put everything but the colour in there, and well, I'm ignoring that is it. the title I have been given by Toyota UK, so what am I supposed to do? Uh, you're supposed to now explain what it was that you had for a week. Okay, I had a Toyota Land Cruiser Invincible 5-door 7-seat 2.8 Auto which is Toyota's luxury 4x4. That's not an SUV. It is not an SUV. This is a 4x4. Uh, I had this for over a week, and I wanted to find out, are such vehicles still relevant in the UK? Because think of the number of SUVs that are out there now trying to pinch their market. So I, I was really interested to see how relevant and how it stands in today's market. Because let's face it, the Land Cruiser is the vehicle that you would choose if you wanted to drive from here to Cape Town. It is a car that is suited for almost every corner of the globe, which is an oxymoron to the people who use that. (laughs) Flat earther that you are. And it's doing it in comfort. You are taking that vehicle because you are confident it's going to get there. And it's going to get back again. Yes. That's the old one. You you know yeah. you can you can take X other brand into the outback, uh, but it's the Land Cruiser that will get you back out of the outback again. Absolutely, something along those lines. That's that's it. So tell us a bit more about the one you had. How was it powered? Okay, so it had a two point eight liter diesel engine, which uh, gave out one hundred and seventy four brake horsepower. This was mated to a six speed automatic transmission, and it's got obviously all-wheel drive ability whether that's high range low range and also there are ones you can change for different terrain modi terrainy thing just out of interest how many cylinders does it have for those 2.8 liters uh quick check four four cylinders for 2.8 liters yes that's old school yes i think the phrase old school is going to come up a lot in this right okay fair enough in this uh in this review uh, and not, and that doesn't mean that I'm being disparaging either. No, I, I don't necessarily take that as a bad thing, to be perfectly honest. No. Right, so the combined MPG officially via the WLTP test is between 27.39 and 30.17. I managed exactly on the dot 28 miles to the gallon. Right in the range there, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this produces 206 CO2s grams per kilometer blah 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 <laughs> that's that's what it's got which i think isn't considering it's a 2.8 liter diesel is not that much no i don't think that's too bad at all uh, really and it's 174 brake horsepower but it's all the talks. oh yeah all the talks this one cost uh, the invincible as a seven seater costs uh, 54,645 on the road I had right. a quick glance at PCPs, and brace yourselves, because this is via Toyota's own website, with a mm-hmm. £5,622 deposit, and I'm presuming it's a 10000 annual mileage, because that was nowhere in the calculations I could find. That was just a figure mm-hmm. that was hidden. It is £767.15 pence per month for 41 months when I tried it today. Do you know the thing about that, though? I happen to know that the garage that I use, that mine comes from in, in Perthshire, that my, not my not my Land Cruiser comes from, <laughs> although 
previously as a family. We have bought Land Cruisers from them. There my Yaris came from. They will put these on the forecourt quite happily as approved used cars with 100,000 miles on the clock. Mm. To be honest, it ain't going to depreciate that much. No, and I think if you're buying this, if you're buying a Land Cruiser, I think you're buying it for the long term, which mm-hmm. may be why we don't see as many on the road. It's that sort of a, a, almost like the Subaru problem. Yeah. That somebody buys one and keeps it for years and years. <laughs> yeah, you, you run it until it dies, and that can be quite some considerable period of time. Yeah. I, I worked for a chap who had one when this kind of Colorado style, not Colorado, but after yeah. that, and that came out, he had the three liter petrol, oh. which was, <laughs> you know, you got 28 to the gallon. He was lucky to get 18. <laughs> Well, I drove it back from the airport for him one time, and I well, I actually drove it another couple of times with trailers and all sorts of stuff, so you can start just like burning the fifty quid notes. <laughs> they don't sell a petrol version in the UK anymore. I wonder why not. It was a wonderful thing and fantastically quick and smooth. Yeah. Quite impressive. Sorry, I'll I'll pipe down. No, but a bit. I think that's relevant to when you talk about a Land Cruiser. Is they have been going for years. And they've they've got a fantastic reputation, but we'll we'll get into that more mm-hmm. about that uh, as we as we discuss because this was a press car, so I had an optional extra, and that was the metallic paint. So it was seven hundred pounds. So it was fifty five thousand three hundred and forty five. That's that's hardly the most lavish press car specking I've ever seen because of the spec it was because Invincible's top of the range, so it mm-hmm. had everything you'd want on it anyway. All right, and so that one's 700 extra, but what other colours are available then? Because the one you had was a Tyrol silver. Yes, and that's under the metallic paint range. But if you go pure white or astral black, and they are solid paints, uh, there is no colour tax. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, if you go pure white and you get some light blue U's and N's, I think you can <laughs> happily march along wherever you like. Some some days I really think that's what I should be driving. Yes, yes, I think it is. Elsewhere in the metallic paints range, so that's £700, is the avant-garde bronze, which is sort of metallic-y brown, not, not very dark brown, so which is quite nice. Vermilion mm-hmm. red, which I've never seen on one car at all. I have, it's nice. But I think it looks brilliant. Uh, Dakuma grey, which is dark grey, galaxy black, which funnily enough is black, phantom mm-hmm. blue, which is a which is a dark blue, not too far off black type blue, which is which is pretty nice. Yeah. So that's all. They're all seven hundred, and then there is one other option, which is white pearl, which is a pearlescent paint at nine hundred pound. You're going to have to really want a pearl white. That's that's the Saudi Arabia spec, isn't yeah. it? That's that's for the that's for the Middle East when your flat white isn't just white enough. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Don't know that I'd ever spend that. No, plus I don't like white anyway. So no, the car sat on a nineteen-inch bitone grey machine-faced alloy wheels with six double spoke, and they're standard. If you go online, there is one other option, which is called nineteen-inch alloy wheels. That's the name. <laughs> Are they less blingy, despite my question? Um, no. No, they're not. But they are £999 extra. <laughs> so you're going to really have to want the different wheel. I think the ones that it came with look quite nice, suit the car well. Mm-hmm. You get, you've get, still got plenty of tyre wall on the tyres that are selected. 
uh, as you'd cool. expect on uh, on this. So uh, that one is down to you whether you desperately need those other ones, you know, mm-hmm. and whether you're paying largely cash price or whether you're paying uh, PCP as well, because PCP that'll disappear over forty one months. The another grand. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's that to start off with, really. Yeah, it's not far off that. Yeah. As we've talked about at the start of the show, everyone will have seen a Toyota Land Cruiser. And if you didn't know that it was a Toyota Land Cruiser, as soon as you see a picture, you go, ah, okay, that's one. But we've we've seen them from uh, the very start. They've always been in lots of TV programs, especially exploring programs, as Alan was saying. It's, you know, it's the... It's not joke, or it's not cliche, but the the statement that used to come out from Australia and all that about you go in this and you come back and you can come back again. So this one is a it is a big four by four, and it has got one heck of an imposing grill now with the design they've got. They've got five vertical yeah. grey silver, quite thick bands now going down it with a with a massive Toyota badge in the middle. It's huge that badge. Oh, but it's in scale. Come on, let's be fair here. Yes, it's in scale with the rest of the size of the planet-sized car. <laughs> it's obviously got quite a high shoulder as well, but that, again, it's in scale with the car. But if you stand next to it, you go, oh, that's quite tall, but that's just the way the car is. Yeah, it's a monster. Mm. In a good way. Yeah. Sorry. It, it is. It is. They are big. Yes, and for a reason. So what about inside? I mean, that's the outside. We've said it's quite large. I assume that it's quite big inside. Well, we'll start at the back, because that's what we always do on this show. And you can get into mm-hmm. the boot in two ways. Mm. So there is the really quite heavy side-hinged door, which opens everything. Mm-hmm. But you need quite a bit of space behind you if you're doing that. So typically you would park front into a car parking space, that sort of thing. Uh-huh, which I don't like doing. No, I'm not a massive fan of, with, of doing that. But people do notice you reversing out in this, so there is that. And you see over the top of virtually everything else as well. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another way, is there's a little button in the uh, on the bottom left-hand side of the screen, uh, the, the window at the back, and that just pops up the, the back window, so that, that hinges mm-hmm. up. And I, I really like that in... in boots and i use that a lot yeah it was it was something i was missing on a vehicle i had recently in which you couldn't do that and so you had to side hinge the door and it was a bit it was the biggest complaint i have about the vehicle really Mm. because those side hinge doors can be a right pest yeah yeah that's true Uh, the boot as you would probably expect from this size of vehicle is quite large but i had the seven seat version and the boot floor is actually is raised quite a bit. All right. So there is. I had to go to several different sources because I didn't realise how much it impinged on the space. But if you mm-hmm. have the seven seat, five door version, up to the, the uh, luggage cover, you only get one hundred and twenty liters in there, and it's one hundred and ninety to the roof. Okay. Now, if you get the five-seat version, it's 640 up to the cover. Sorry, last time you said it was only 190 up to no, the cover. No, 190 to the roof. 190 litres? Yes. Okay. Right, so 640 to the cover and 1,270 to the roof. But that surely those numbers are with the, the rearmost seats up 
you know, up because 120 liter boot space is tiny. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Yes, if you've yes, if you've got the seats up. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. If you've got the seats up, yes, it really restricts it. But if you don't have the seats up, you still lose about three, four inches of yeah, which is floor because that's of where depth. That, that's yes of depth because uh-huh. that is the way that it's it's you know they hide beneath the boot floor when they're not in use. Okay, so they don't because I I know that in older versions of the Land Cruiser they went up to the side, no, so you know, they the kind of split in the middle and they went up to the, into that's better actually. Yes, and yeah. then they're easily operated by uh, uh, some buttons on the side to pop them up and put them back down again. Oh, okay. So you know it's one one button operation stuff. So you can mm-hmm. you could be clutching onto a small person whilst you're trying to get the seat up, and it's, it's right? A, or a small dog, probably. Yeah. If so if you have all seven seats up, you do restrict your luggage capacity quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But when we were travelling generally, we didn't have the back seats, although we tested them a couple of times just to try them out, and I could put a small person further away from me. <laughs> separate children yes. and these kind of things different yes, postcodes sure. and all that sort of lark mm. uh, so we did test that but when when the seats are down whilst you lose four inches of depth three four inches of depth it doesn't make that much difference i mean we put we had five people's stuff and it was all under the cover not a problem including having separate bags for wellies and big coats because it was winter time as well as suitcases and bags and all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. it's still a really large boot yeah you know it's gonna hold the weekly shop uh, yes maybe not mm-hmm. the weekly shop that some people are doing at the moment but no, <laughs> no. you need a trailer or two for that so rear... don't ask the middle the... i have to i kept i kept trying to write this is the rear bench or just the normal rear bench as opposed to the back one yeah but the the middle row, <laughs> the, the middle row, or where normally people sat in the back, there is actually a heck of a lot of room. There was no danger of being kicked in the back if you just put your seat in the front in a normal position. Mm. Feet were swinging, not getting near. It was, it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, that's good. Because it's quite wide as well, there are two and three-quarter seats across the back. It's it's almost a third proper seat in the middle. And the transmission mm-hmm. tunnel is oh, half an inch, if that... It, oh, right. Okay, so everything... Well, it's the benefit of it being a body-on-frame off-roader, isn't yeah. it? It's the benefit of it being the chassis and then the body on top of it. So you don't need to have these great big, mounds and stuff to add structural rigidity no i mean that's that's part of the the charm of the or what gave me the feeling of it being a bit old school again not in a bad way but being old school was this sort of detail mm-hmm. in there but but it's got it's got just enough of a rise in it that it stops muck from going from one side of the car all the way over to the other if you know what i mean it's sort of like like a tidal barrier Oh, right, yeah. It just, just stops everything swinging around quite so much whenever you're in the corners yeah, and things. exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> the seats at front and back are leather, and the trim that I had was Masari black leather. The other option being Otaka ivory leather, so you get black or cream. Okay, so I understand why it was black. Yep. <laughs> I'm very happy it was black, not cream. <laughs> 
Uh, both the front and the outside rear seats are heated and the front are also cooled. Was that a big problem in central Scotland in December? Uh, well, depends how much some people in the car changed temperatures for their areas and that crept across. Oh, okay, fair enough, yes. I understand. <laughs> so the rear seats could actually control their aircon. Uh, as well as their heated seats, uh, through a panel at the back of the armrest between the front seats. Oh right, J- JDM style. Yeah, which gave the gave added to the luxury feel inside, mm-hmm. uh, which the kids appreciated. They didn't mess around with it much actually, which I was quite surprised at because I expected things to be to be played a well, lot. Aircon wars. Yeah, I did expect that, but they didn't do that. All right. Up front, like I said, we've got these uh, nice big comfy seats, nice bit of support so that when the body roll that was there that you would expect to be there in an old school 4x4, you weren't sort of sliding out of the seat over here, oh no, what's going on, or going back the other way. <laughs> it's a major issue with leather seats in a in a car like that, actually. Yeah, it is. It, it, <laughs> you can spend as much of your energy trying to stay in the seat <laughs> yes. uh, as anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, the dashboard obviously had a mix of materials, uh, as everybody expects and every dashboard has. However, it really came home to me how these vehicles work in all the conditions possible and in extreme areas because the dash was quite hard-wearing, not in a cheap really brittly plastic way mm-hmm. but it was definitely stuff that was going to get a hard life and going to last as a result they picked materials that were going to last in areas that were going to get just knocked or touched or brushed or just when stuff hitting them when doors are opened and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff that that was one of the one of the times that it really came home to me how ubiquitous the Land Cruiser is across the globe. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's whenever you put materials into something like a Land Cruiser, it has to be able to sit in African sun, and it also has to be able to not crack whenever you're uh, halfway up a glacier in Iceland. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, it, like I say, it, it, the materials didn't feel cheap, and it didn't feel naff or you know not nice or anything. It's just they were they were picked so they would last and work and keep working for years and years that's that's the feeling i got from them we, we've said that about subaru in the past yeah there are touches within the, the within the cabin to try and lighten it up a little bit otherwise it would be a little bit black upon black upon black so there's things like there was a wooden trim in this one that went uh in front of the front passenger which was a nice dark wood it was quite nice uh that mm-hmm. was in the was it actually woody or was it Plasticky no, wood. real wood. It was woody, yeah. woody. Uh, and the central binnacle was silver, um, that had a silver finish. Uh, and there was a bit of piano black in there as well, uh, in that bit, mm-hmm. just, to, just to make it all stand out. Steering wheel was really quite nicely sized. It, it wasn't like you were driving a bus's steering wheel or anything. And it was leather from probably two-thirds up the sides down to the bottom, except for the very middle of the bottom had a thin strip of that same wood that was in front of the passenger, Mm -hmm. just to break it up a bit. But that same wood was also for the top third of the steering wheel. And ready yourselves for my uh, 
interior the token gripe. interior gripe. <laughs> I I really didn't like it. I didn't like it. My hand slipped so much on it. I was starting to get really frustrated with it by the end, and trying to do everything at, at maximum of uh, ten to two. But generally, mm-hmm. normally I drive at quarter to three. But I was trying to make all the manoeuvres at, at best at ten to two. So that I didn't like. Your mileage may vary with that. You may be fine with it. Maybe, maybe I have super slippery hands. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I that was something I didn't think they needed at all. So behind the steering wheel, as one would expect, you've got the two main dials. Revs are on the left, speedo on the right. Central digital readout, which is adjustable through controls on the steering wheel, so you can cycle through and display the sort of things you can typically want to display. So your directions, your current miles per gallon, that sort of thing, digital speed readout, all that sort of stuff that everybody uh, expects yeah. now. Uh, that that was there. The top of the the central binnacle. So we were gonna. There was two air vents. Then there's the touchscreen with buttons on the side, which also controlled the CD player, which was at the very top of the touchscreen. All oh, right. Okay. Ooh, still had a CD. Oh yeah. Player. Yeah. Uh, heating controls below that, and then the four-wheel drive system. The modes below that, above the coffee cups, which are now in the control in the in the transmission tunnel area. Mm-hmm. So you got the cup holders, then you go into the auto box selector, and behind that are the driving modes. So you've got eco, normal, sport, and sport plus mode. Yeah, really, really sport plus. Sport plus, yeah. yeah. Did it did it make the dials go red or anything? <sighs> I, I... Did, did it make any difference at all, Andrew? There was a little bit more response in the engine, but it just made more noise, and I didn't want more noise. So so what did you generally do? Just leave it in normal? Just left it in normal yeah. and let it do the things it wanted to do at the speed it wanted to do them. And that was fine. That was absolutely perfect mm-hmm. for what... There was no need to mess with it. Right, so behind the pointless modes <laughs> was the controls for the heated and cooled seats, a USB port, 12-volt charging port, and then you get to the armrest, which was actually a chilled uh, cubby box, and importantly enough, it was big enough to hold a four-pint milk container with the lid closed. Other similar-sized drinks are available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Other similar-sized lactose, lactose-free versions yes, are available. Yes, yeah. more adult-orientated stuff, possibly. So it's a big, tall car. It's quite high yep. up. Some of the people you were with were not particularly tall no they're not how did they get on getting in and out either scrambling or in a far more grown-up fashion well it was entertaining to watch some of them clamber up onto the sidestep and then in from the sidestep into the car but the sidestep helped a lot it really mm-hmm. did. It, it was actually quite a good position because everybody could reach onto that. If you're in the front, though, you're a special person. You get a handle in the front frame, of the, the A-pillar, that you could grab hold of and swing up and stand there looking majestic uh, over the top of the of, of everything did, you could did, see. Because you, <laughs> you have a moment of, I have conquered. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have conquered the entry to this Just vehicle. needed to be holding a flag at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about the the back row of seats, and to get into those, the you go via outside middle row seats. There's a there's a, le- mm-hmm. a, a lever that you just pull, and that folds them down 
and you just clamber over the top of them and go in the back, and then it's just easy to put the seats back up again. Could an adult do it? Get into the back? Yeah. Yes, but you wouldn't want to do it for long. Oh, okay. So a little bit like the Hyundai Santa Fe then. Yeah. I mean, it, there's there's plenty of room when you're in there and all that, but it's hmm. it's more to the children end of things to go in there. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But they do expect people to be in the back for some time. You know, they're not just saying, oh, these are seats that will be used for 20 seconds at a time because there was cup holders in the rear wheel arches. And mm-hmm. also there was the air vents uh, up in the in the very back as well that were adjustable to for direction. Uh, and switching them off. Um, So again, gave the feeling of a bit of luxury, a bit of thought to Mm -hmm. everyone that might be in the car, not just the people at the front or maybe even just the middle. So I I quite like that. Uh, There was a charging point in the rear rear, uh, of the the boot, which was 100 watt this time. So what type? So was that a 12 volt socket or was that a 230 voltish one? It was a 230. Okay, cool. And there were two curry hooks right in the back pillar, uh, right by the doors, one on either side. That's good. So you could use that that um, charging port in the back for laptops, camera batteries, yeah, yeah. any of that kind of Again, stuff. Fridges, definitely. These vehicles are used in quite extreme remote areas, and they're catering for the the needs that people have now. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's the interior. How did it drive then? I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting that you set a new lap record at Knock Hill or anything. Good, because I didn't. <laughs> right, this is a massive old school. There's a there's a there's an old school feel to it where, as well, where everything just happens when it's going to happen. So you put your foot down, and the engine gets going. And like I say, it's got all the torques in the world. It's that, from that point of view, it's gonna just keep going. But it'll change gear when it's ready to change gear. And if you put your foot down, you get there a bit quicker, but it, it just makes more noise, and you don't want that. Is it one of those, it's one of those cars, I think, where there's an optimum kind of point where you're just balancing speed and uh, refinement. Yeah, once you, if you're, say, going on the motorway and all that, then yes, you put your foot down hard to get up to speed. But once you're there, your foot's not that far down, and then you've got then you no. activate the adaptive cruise control and that sort of thing. It, it's not trying that hard, as it were. It's not having to really work hard to keep up with traffic at all, even though mm-hmm. it, it's so large and it's not superbly aerodynamic in shape either, <laughs> because of the way it is there's no point if you're on if you're in the the countryside and you're on uh, back roads or even slightly wiggly b roads there's no point in trying to charge through those because one the car is just doesn't like it because you are pitching and rolling and because you're pitching and rolling whoever's with you is not going to like you very much either yeah, mrs windscreen clinging on to your left arm yes Whilst punching with the other one. <laughs> Hammering it. Yeah, that was what was going there. It's going, stop it. I can imagine how that goes. So, I mean, that was it out in the, the open road and stuff. It's quite a big car. How did it feel in sort of tighter places? I mean, I, I know where you went with it. So, in towns and parking and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the steering was quite light. So, that made manoeuvring it round really easy. And that uh, belied the size of it a little bit. 
So you you mm-hmm. weren't you weren't thinking right. Okay, to get in this parking space, I'm going to have to psych myself up and then do some t- mm-hmm. <laughs> some maneuvers with the turning with the steering wheel. It wasn't like that at all. It was really really easy, and it had a really good turning. So, circle. so not the Civic Type R then. <laughs> no, <laughs> had a really good turning circle as well. And like I say, because you're so large, you can see everything coming, and importantly, they see you. And this mm-hmm. is one of the few vehicles out there, if you're not in a tractor or a lorry, where other people go, you know what, I'm going to wait. Instead of me being impatient, impatient face, I will wait for them to finish what they're doing, and then then they've cleared out the way we can go. And I noticed mm-hmm. that a lot because there was, particularly when it came to parked cars on one side of the road, there seems to be an epidemic in this country where everyone just keeps going. Yes. However, I, I, I can guess exactly where you're talking about. Near the petrol station. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Coming down to Keld Street there. Yes. The driving side of the, the driver's side of the car, quite close to the white line. So it was mm-hmm. very clear there wasn't room so people would wait and that would be for other large suvs they that were much smaller <laughs> you know if if people want the whole i'm in a larger vehicle so i can look down on others the land cruiser has that crushed they <laughs> absolutely the people in their x5s Does. and <laughs> range rover sports and stuff like that you could look down into their cabins <laughs> <laughs> There's only been a couple of vehicles I've I've driven up that little stretch of road, uh, which which could do that as well. One of them was a Manitou telehandler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, for that that helped give such a helped with the whole relaxed feeling when you drove it because you weren't trying to get there too fast, and because you knew people could see you. You weren't going, is someone going to make a stupid move? Or will everyone make a stupid move, which, as we are now? It was occasionally, oh, right, I can see I need to be aware of that person. And that just made it so much more relaxed, I felt. And the, and the fact that inside, it it was pretty quiet. I mean, the the, mm-hmm. the sound deadening in there was, you know, again, adding to this sort of luxury feel that, that was in there. It, it just, oh, it, it, it was... It was really pleasant to drive from that point of view, from a stress-free point of view, even though it's so big. You know, helping that was that the engine just immense. You know, it's one of those that you think, right, if I lassoed the moon, I'm going to move its orbit. <laughs> Especially if you, you know, just felt like putting it into low range. Yeah, yeah. not a lot is going to stop this thing. Not a lot of terrain. Not a lot of conditions, particularly if you put the right tires on and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just wherever I went, I knew I would get home, and I and I didn't go off road with it. I didn't do anything like to, how will it work in all this mud. I didn't try and do anything like that. But I knew whatever conditions happened, I would get home no problem. Yes. Yeah, you you weren't worried if if you know there was a flurry of snow no, or two. No, and if it got no. icy, no, I wasn't worried about that because I knew that I just would be in a much more controllable vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what about technology then? Come on. We've talked about old school quite a lot. Did it have it? Yes, it did. Uh, along the lines of safety tech. So Toyota, mm-hmm. as we know, um, their approach to driver assistance and looking at and investigating and trying to develop autonomous technologies is more the the systems will step in to help the driver if the driver needs it. So think along those lines when it comes to safety tech from Toyota at the moment. This came with the Toyota Safety Sense, and that comprises of a pre-collision system with pedestrian detection, adaptive cruise control, which was really very good, actually. You could adjust that, and that felt very close to how I would drive if I wasn't on adapt uh, if I wasn't mm-hmm. using cruise control it got I'm not you know some systems hold you back quite far before they start slowing you down yes this let you get yeah. to what I felt was a more human distance away I I find that when I drove with the same system in the RAV4 mm. current generation RAV4 it was very much that it was quite it behaved the way that one would behave as a reason as a reasonably courteous driver yeah. and um, as opposed to terrified or aggressive yes uh, a particular notice was how smooth it was when you actually did overtake and you because when you it reacted when you started to indicate to overtake and it knew there was nothing beside you stroke behind you in a in mm-hmm. a outside lane that you were going to move into it was a very it felt very human from that point of view and it wasn't jerky, yeah. so passengers had no idea. You know, they oblivious to what was going on. That's when you know it's working yeah. best. It's when you're not getting the yeah from the passengers. And I'm not thinking, oh, we're, we're well, that's accelerated a bit hard and that sort of thing. And mm. it was, I was very impressed with it from that point of view. Uh, they've got it's also got road sign assist, but that was only correct about fifty percent of the time. But then. Mm-hmm. I've not yet come across a system that does better than 50% of the time. Mm, no, they're, they're not always great. No. So Some better than others. Yeah. But, uh, uh, lane departure alert. There's a, there was also auto high beam, but I had the lights manually switched on, so that didn't get triggered. There was – this is outside the – uh, safety sense system um, but it's got blind spot monitor which is useful uh, rear cross traffic alert which was which was great because you much as you're trying to somebody will do something stupid if you're trying to reverse out of a parking space whether it's a pedestrian or a car i'm a sucker for that actually because yeah. it's so often it, it can see before you can just because other stuff's in the yep. way yeah, so that that was that was good. Uh, it had trailer sway control, but I didn't have a trailer, so I I can't speak for how good, bad, or indifferent it is. But I presume it's quite decent to fit it to something like that because they know the market. <laughs> it's gonna be well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's got front and rear parking sensors, as people would probably expect these days, and a rear view camera for reversing camera which was good, cool. but you needed to clean it every time. I mean, the time of year I was and the roads I was on, you, it's just you as you walk past the back of it, you just give it a quick wipe. It, it becomes a matter of... Just a habit thing a now. A matter of stuff at the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah, same here. So overall then, the windscreen family, 
was it 10 days or so in Scotland? Uh, it was less than that. <sighs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. We, that was less. the idea. <laughs> yeah, that, that was plan A. What do you think? What's what's the verdict, really? As I've said several times here, and you you started us off with it, but it reminded me of a proper old-school 4x4. And it was much better than that inside, and it felt like an old-school 4x4, but drove in quite a modern way. So it was... Mm -hmm. Whilst it was... The also gearbox was a relaxed gearbox, the way that it was it's set up to, to yeah. shift through. It's not that it felt like it was a twenty year old thing that they've just kept. It's 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 mm-hmm. still modern and it's still right for the vehicle, but the way the vehicle is, it's just relaxed. And I think that's part of the whole luxury side of this because of the the bells and whistles on it, because of the way they've kitted out the interior and tried to look out for the passengers who who could be in there for a very long time in very extreme conditions. So mm-hmm. the, the way they're all looked after, the, the whole thing felt... And if you just look at the price itself, it, you know, 56 grand, if you... That's not a lot of money. In that market, it's really not bad. If you look at the competition that you would think of from from Land Rover and the like, yeah. it's not that much. No. In fact, I'm now thinking of the price of other test cars we've had recently, more recently, and thinking, hang on a minute, that's that's a few thousand more, but not a, not a ridiculous amount more. Yeah. This car clearly has, well, no, it has appealed to a limited number of people in the past. Having had it for the time that I did, I think that's unfortunate because... It's capable of a wide variety of things. And I think people have gone for luxury SUVs at significantly more cost. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For less size. Okay, it it doesn't drive like a car that's been raised up, but it will Mm -hmm. go anywhere. And I think if you're more country orientated or you're living in a more rural area and you need something that's relatively for what it is relatively inexpensive compared to the competition yet will tow a horse box or a trailer or a caravan or stuff like that then you've got to go and have a baler yeah (laughs) yes i think you've got to go and have a look you've got to try it Mm mm-hmm and then your decision you have to make is whether you need the five seats or seven seats. And then you're down to personal yeah. preference. Mm-hmm. Or if you want the commercial and the short wheelbase. Yep. You do the short wheelbase commercial auto. Yep. On Steely's. Which is very, very... De- uh, no, uh, if you go for the one that's like the commercial with a bit more luxury, then it comes with alloys, sadly. Oh, okay. But it does mean that you can have the auto box, ah, okay. which I would have because I, I think of off-roader like that by the way is it's better with an auto box because i'm terrible and lazy and all these kind of things i'm i'm not a true beardy person yeah but if, but if i lived where we took it up in scotland the areas we we took it in scotland that would be the car that would be top of my list because i know whatever mm-hmm. scotland threw at me weatherwise uh, and the family needed to do this would do it 
Yeah, and that's why you see more of them around there than you do in the general populace anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Fantastic. So that was the Toyota Land Cruiser. Insert specification here. <laughs> Invincible. Exactly, yeah. If you've enjoyed that, then don't forget that between now and the next time you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a rating a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Uh, Andrew, if people want to know a bit more, what's the best way to get in touch with you? best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to hear more stories from your past about Land Cruisers, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, the best way is definitely via Twitter, where I am at A-J-P Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long, and it'll probably be me warbling on it, on about Toyotas yet again rather than Andrew but until then I've been Alan Bradley I've been Andrew Clues and safe motoring